Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We've been looking at a passage where Jesus is calling us into his ministry. Of course, in the day and time when this was written, he was calling those who are currently following him, which would have been his 12 disciples. It would have been perhaps um, perhaps a couple, no, just the, it was just the 12 disciples. Um, they were the closest comrades of Christ. They were the ones who were always under his wing, walking with him. They had left house and home to come and follow after Christ. He had called them by name and said, come follow me. And we had been seeing for a couple chapters prior the works that Christ was doing, the things that he was doing in Israel among his people, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, casting out demons, healing diseases, raising the dead, feeding the poor. And now we see him calling us into his ministry the things that he has been doing, and he is tell, sending his disciples out into the towns and villages, saying, go do, basically, the things that I was doing. Here are your marching orders. And we've been looking over the last couple of weeks at some of these things he's been teaching us to do. He's called them to go out in his name for the glory of Christ, for the glory of his kingdom. He said, go to those people who are ready. Go to the house of Israel. He said, go and proclaim the message of the kingdom of heaven. It's at hand. Don't tell people that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything you've, waiting, everything you've been waiting for is coming to pass. And today he's going to be telling them... To go out and serve. To go out and do the things that Jesus has actually been doing. And here we see this in Matthew chapter 10. He had just said in verse 7, Go proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in verse 8, in a way, this is the proof that their message has some validation. Anybody can say something like the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Messiah is here. Come follow Jesus. People have said that throughout the centuries, proclaiming false Christs, false prophets. And here in verse 8, we kind of see some validation for what they're saying. He says verse, in verse 8, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. So he's saying, he's giving them authority. He's giving them spiritual power to go and perform spiritual work and by that I mean works that can only be done by the power of God he's not telling them to necessarily just go and be yourselves and just kind of do what feels right he's telling them specifically go and do my works so that the people can know that you're coming from me because these are exactly the things that he has been doing Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. He's been doing all of these things in the last couple of chapters. 
So in a way, he's giving them his thumbprint so that the people in those towns and villages can know these people have been sent by Christ himself with Christ's power from God. He is giving them his own authority. And he is telling them to go and prove to the nation that they have been given authority from God. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit because, let's be honest here today, this can be confusing because if Jesus is giving his disciples his authority straight from heaven by the power of the Spirit, shouldn't we also be healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons? We're going to be talking about that a little bit today. Before we do, let's pray and seek the Lord's guidance as we look into his word, as we try to seek him, as we try to seek to follow his guidance. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this word of yours, for this guidance and and this commission that you have given us. All throughout your word, you have commissioned your people to go out and magnify our Lord Jesus Christ, to tell people that he is here, that the Savior has come. The work has been done. Come and see Jesus, who saved me from my sins, and he can save you from your sins. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to understand in what strength and what authority we go out. Help us, encourage us in your word. Encourage us by the power that you have promised that we can go out in your name because you are with us. Always. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So in general, we see that Jesus is telling these people to go out and work acts of service with the authority of Christ for the good of the people to support the message that they are proclaiming, okay? We are giving them a table to put the message on. That's what our acts of service are for. A lot of churches, a lot of people are really good at doing good, but they have no real message that they're proclaiming. They're just the, the whole message that some people believe and hear and, and, and live according to is not a message that supports the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the magnificence of Christ. The whole message is just a message of service, which serving is good, being hospitable is good, Um, uh, doing these acts of kindness for people is good, but that's not the point. These things that are good are supposed to support the proclamation of the message, because unless people can know the Christ who has come and be pointed in the direction of the Christ who has come, they will never be saved. Because we know from the works that it is not by works of righteousness which we have done by which that we are saved, but by his mercy. And if people are never pointed to the mercy and the work of Jesus Christ, they will not be saved. And we need to have this, we need to have an understanding of this so that we are not content simply being a good person, being good, doing good, serving We need to be doing those things and we're going to see that it is right and necessary. And I'm not, we already talked about the proclamation. So I'm not going to talk as much about the proclamation, but we need to start with an understanding as we get into this message that is about serving. We need to understand what it's for. We need to understand that it's critical that we serve. We need to understand that it's critical that we do good. But we also need to understand that apart from the message of the gospel, 
All it is is humanitarian. All it is is earthly. And it will die here when we die. There will be no eternal fruitfulness from it if all we seek to do is be a good person. The first thing, proclaim. And then as you're proclaiming, be doing these works that I have been doing. So that the people can see, this is, this is they are coming from me. And that's how, according to Jesus' teaching, that we can do good works and glorify God in heaven. Because by these good works, we are going out doing the works of Jesus so that people can see these people are from Jesus. So it's not about you. It's not about you and your goodness. It's about Christ and his goodness because the message is attached. Look at 1 John 2, 6. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 6. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I mean, that makes it very clear. What we're trying to say here and what Jesus has been pushing his disciples to do in, this, in, our, in our passage in Matthew today. He says, if you're going to say that you're a Christian, if you are going to say that you abide in Christ, that you walk with Christ, that you love God, what's it say? You ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. A lot of us have a lot of rules and standards that we live by, Okay. And by them, we call ourselves religious and spiritual. But what John is saying here, that if you're going to say that you're a Christian, you have to be doing the things that Christ did. I mean, that can offer us a little shift in the paradigm of our life. We all like to validate ourselves with the different things that we're doing. But what John is telling you is the way you need to show yourself to be a Christian, is that you're actually living the type of life that Christ himself lived. Are you doing the things that Christ did? Are you walking, the, are you walking in the footsteps of Jesus, literally and figuratively? Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If you say that you are walking in the light, but yet by your works it is clear that you're walking in the darkness, what does that make you? A liar. You can't just claim the name of Jesus and then by your works completely reject him. We are supposed to have the message, we're supposed to have received the gospel, and that gospel transforms us into the image of Christ. We talk about that, into the image of Christ, right? But what is it? And we... We say a lot of things that are attached to the image of Christ, but when we want to see the image of Christ, we have to actually look at Christ's life. And that's why we're walking through the book of Matthew, because we, if we're going to be like Christ, then we have to actually know what Christ was like. If we're going to do the things that Christ did, then we actually have to know what Christ did, right? Rather than interjecting all of our own opinions and values and, and, and things... Ways, our, our own preferred way of life. No, what was Jesus' way of life? 
We need to conform to that, not just seek to validate our preferred way of life. Because if we are going to say we abide in him, we ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses here. Starting in verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay, so if you are Christ, if you are abiding in Christ, this is available to you. He's saying this. And he starts it off by saying, don't be a selfish jerk. (laughs) Don't be all about yourself. Don't make every single decision that you make have to be good for you in some way. Sometimes you just need to work on behalf of somebody else, even if you are hurt by it. And he goes on to say, who, verse 6, who, talking about Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay, so this is kind of, this can be a little bit of a confusing verse. He says, let me just repeat it here. He, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. So this is saying Jesus is God, okay? Jesus, before he came and was born of a virgin, became a human being, he was God, okay? You and me, we're trying to be like God. We're trying to be more like him, trying to grow in God's image. Jesus didn't have to do any of this. He was already God. He is the image of God. He wasn't trying to gain more for himself. He's already the supreme sovereign of the universe. He wasn't trying to better himself. He had nothing to gain for himself because he wasn't lacking anything. He was in the form of God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He wasn't groping after godliness. But rather, in verse 7 he says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of of a servant. So he didn't have anything that he needed to be filled with. He's already complete, satisfied as God. What he did was not for himself, it was for you. He emptied himself, okay, by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So he emptied himself. What did he empty himself of? He didn't have to do any of this. He didn't have to come to the earth. He is not obligated to you. He did not have to show mercy. The whole point behind the ideas of grace and mercy is they're not necessary. Grace is not necessary. You don't deserve it. It's not yours. You don't deserve mercy. If you deserve mercy, then it wouldn't be mercy. You'd be earning something. It'd be a paycheck. You'd be, God would be robbing you if he didn't give it to you if you deserved it. He did not have to come to this earth to save us from our sins. That's why it was emptying of himself. Because it wasn't for him. He was already fully God. 
He had nothing that was lacking. We did. We had the lacking. We had the emptiness. We had the just retribution for our sin upon our shoulders that was going to eternally condemn us and separate us from God. We were lacking. People in all sorts of um, countries, nations, they've been grasping, trying to, they have been clawing after God, trying to find satisfaction for something that they know is empty in themselves. And there are multitudes of gods and religions out there that people have been trying to use, making sacrifices and offerings, cutting themselves, mutilating themselves, because they're trying to satisfy a hole in themselves that they know God can satisfy. They just don't really know who this God is that can satisfy their emptiness. And this is the whole reason Jesus is sending these disciples out is to tell the nation, the Messiah is here. I want to point you to him. And this service, becoming like Christ, is, 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 the, founda- is, the, uh, is the cart that carries the message. Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. In verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Now remember what he said at the very beginning, have this mind in you. Have this mind among yourselves, the church, God's people. Where does this mind lead us? Well, it led Christ to verse 8 to the point of death, even the death on a cross. And we're actually going to get to that point. This actually leads us into the next um, marching order. We're not going to get there just yet, but but, we'll see the the last part of Matthew 10, verse 8 through verse 10. He calls the disciples to self-emptying. Okay, we become sad. We are empty. We need Christ. We need the forgiveness of our sins. We need the satisfaction that only God can provide. He fills us with that with the gospel. We have him. We have his spirit. He satisfies the need of our soul. And then we take upon ourselves the mind of Christ and we empty ourselves of our fleshly desires, of our material gain in our pursuit of going out and satisfying the spiritual longings of other people. It's just the continual cycle of Christ-likeness. Calls us into the the self-abandon for the good of the spiritual needs of those around us. And that starts by this serving, because let's be honest with you, it's a sacrifice to serve, to really serve. It's a sacrifice. I mean, for VBS, a lot of you are just exhausted. A lot of you are just have been ha- having to rest for the last few days because it was exhausting. You had to give up things. Maybe you had a normal routine that you had to push aside. You had to sacrifice those things. Why? Because you were serving these children. You were hoping that these children would receive the word of God and some of them would be saved. And a couple of them were saved. Thank the Lord for that. Your works, your sacrifices were not in vain. 
they bore fruit. And this service carried the gospel, right? You guys served. Sometimes, some of you, you didn't really present the gospel necessarily, but your service was part of the cart that was carrying the gospel to these children. So your acts of service were not in vain, even if you yourself did not get to lead one of these children to Christ. It was part of the carriage that carried the gospel, these acts of service. Now look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I mean, you think about it. If all we had to do is proclaim a message, we didn't really need for these teenagers, this group from Pennsylvania to come down here. We could have just been like, all right, kids, come on, I'm going to preach at you. (laughs) We may not have had the fruitfulness that we had because they came, you all showed up, and we all served. We all put on this function through many acts of service in many different ways. And the gospel was able to be presented because of all the multitude of serving that was going on. So we cannot diminish even the small acts of serving, even manning the cookie table (laughs) is part of this cart that's carrying the gospel. James chapter 1. Now the Bible doesn't say anything about cookie tables. It would be an interesting passage. I wonder what the context for that would be. That was there. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, he says, James says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Okay, so the gospel is supposed to come with both the message and the service, and it's supposed to be the same in us. We're not just supposed to be content receiving the message. We also need to take that message and let it guide the way we live our lives. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. What does it say? If you are just a hearer, you're deceiving yourself. If you think you're just a hearer, you are deceived because you're not even a hearer. That's why you're deceived. Because if you think you can be a hearer and not a doer, then you're not really hearing what you think you're hearing. You're not really receiving what you think you're receiving because the true word of God turns you into a doer. So verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, but forgets, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now let me explain a couple things here. A lot of people are believing that, hey, all I have to do is serve widows and orphans and then I'm saved. That's not the point here. The point here is you start with the message, you're a hearer, You receive the message of the gospel. You are saved by the gospel. And that turns you into a doer that really brings glory to God who can really bring the gospel to other people. 
Because in your doing, you are taking the authority of Christ with you. And what does, what kinds of service, okay, does the message of the gospel give us? Well, at the very end of this passage that we read, he says, well, it's not, it's not sincere if you think you have the word of the gospel, but you can't even keep your tongue. You still have a dirty mouth. You still can't keep your mouth shut when it needs to stay shut. You can't keep yourself from telling the dirty, rotten jokes. Then you're not really much of a hearer of the gospel. You're not really looking into the word and, let, and submitting to it. Because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And if the gospel has changed your heart, then it's going to speak a different message. And it says, and he goes on to say, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Visiting the widows and the orphans in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So he brings up widows and orphans. Why does he bring up widows and orphans? Why doesn't he bring up, you know, giving money to the poor, you know, or whatnot? He brings up widows and orphans, and some of that is giving money to those people, because they typically are poor. Especially in this day and age, when the widow, she had very few options. If her family didn't take care of her, if she, had no, she didn't have any family... There was no, they didn't have government programs to take care of the widows. She was impoverished at that point. So one of the first things that we can see in the book of Acts, one of the first ministries that the church took on was a widow ministry. That's why the first deacons were called, because of widow needs. And you have orphans. These orphans... Again, there weren't really government programs to take care of orphans. They had nothing. They could give nothing. And that's kind of the point that we're getting to is it, to visit the widow and orphans in this day and age especially was a pure sign of religion because there was no flashiness about it. There was no praiseworthiness in it. There, you weren't going to get anything from giving to the widows and orphans. They couldn't give anything to you. They were utterly in need. And to visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction was simply an act of you completely emptying yourself for them without, being, without any expectation of taking anything back. A lot of us, we like to do acts of service where we actually get to partake in some of the benefits. That is not pure and undefiled religion. Don't be afraid of the word religion, by the way. That's simply a word that means a way of carrying out your beliefs. Religion is just the format in which you carry out a belief. And he's saying the format in which we should be carrying out what we believe is acts of service where we are receiving no benefits from what we're doing. We're not seeking benefits. You, know, you, can't, you can't control everything. You know, when you go and visit Hazel, you know, every time I go and visit Hazel, she gives money to the church. You know, is that kind of a, a benefit, you know? You can't control everything about that, okay? People are always going to try to thank you, and some people you still do it. You still just get really happy when people thank you. It validates you. But if you're doing it because, you, because of the thanks, because of the validation, because it makes you feel like you're doing the right thing, that's missing the point because you're still trying to partake in benefits. True religion that looks like Jesus, remember in Philippians, he emptied himself. Not so that he could fill him, he emptied himself because he loves you. Because you needed, you had an emptiness, a hole that only he could fill. You needed something that only he could provide. 
And you were not going to be able to give him anything. Because he's already the fullness of God. What does he need from you? I mean, when you give to the church, you're giving to God, but it's really giving to God's ministry so that more people can be reached with this emptiness of Christ, the self-emptiness of Christ. So when he brings up the widows and the orphans, he's saying, pure religion looks like this. You are emptying yourself, just like Jesus emptied himself. See, again, walking in the same manner that Christ walked. You're emptying yourself like Jesus emptied himself. You know what? And I'll tell you what, it is a benefit. It's not like I'm not calling for a life of sadness and misery. Because self-emptiness is not equal to sadness and misery. How many of you have ever emptied yourself for somebody and were filled with the joy of the Lord because of it? When we're truly serving in the spirit of Christ, we do such with a glad heart. We do. But the type of ministries that, are, that represent a pure heart, a pure and undefiled religion, true belief, is that where you're not looking for any benefits whatsoever. You're simply emptying yourself on behalf of somebody else. Simply emptying yourself on behalf of somebody else. Whether it's, you know, the lady in front of you at the grocery store, she, you know, her, her card was bouncing or whatever. So what do you do? You can't afford, you can't even afford your own groceries. But you pay for her groceries. Because she's in need. And you're never going to see her again. She's never going to pay you back. She can't. But you completely empty yourself. Because you can, maybe you can't. Maybe you have to put some of your own food away. Because you paid for her food. And now you don't have money for all your food. That's pure and undefiled religion. Because you loved that person. And you emptied yourself for their good. Counting others more important than yourself. Or you're at the gas station and they don't, have, they don't have money for gas. So what do you do? You buy their gas for them. You, and they drive away. You'll never see them again. They're never going to give you a thank you card. They don't know where to send it. <laughs> They're never going to pay you back. It's just gone. But you're happy to do so because you have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. It doesn't always, you don't always have the opportunity to carry the gospel with those acts of service. But again, like I, like I talked about, in this sense, it's the carriage. It's the life. That will eventually bring the gospel to people in some way. Okay? Did Jesus Christ preach, every, preach at every single person that he healed? Did he always preach at every person that he talked to and served? He preached at a lot of them. And likely when he healed somebody, those people came to hear what he had to say. But he, saw, he looked at them with compassion he met a need. He emptied himself. He served them. Because that's who he was. He's Jesus, the self-emptier. And that's the point. If we're going to walk in the footsteps of Christ, then we need to have this mind in us, which was also in Christ Jesus, that can't hold back from serving. We see a need. We fill it. And he actually, we actually see this in James chapter 2. If you just look on the other side of the page. James 2, 14 to 22. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith 
but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and is lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We can put anybody we want on a prayer request list and think that we're doing our civil duty. But if, they, if we can fulfill their need, but we don't do it, then we are defiled in our religion. That's too big of a stretch. You know, I can't be serving everybody that I meet. I mean, don't you think, I mean, and this is kind of the point that we're going to get to next time, because we don't have time to really cover this next time. But next, the next rule that we're going to be looking at is do nothing for the sake of personal gain. That's one of our marching orders. Jesus is telling his disciples to go out without any extra supplies. Why? Because God's going to provide for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Do you believe that? Or do you believe that God is lying to you? When he said, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of your daily needs will be provided for you. Do you believe it when he says that? I mean, that's a step of faith. Because the checkbook really doesn't look like it can handle this type of service. And I'm not telling you that you always have to be passing out checks everywhere you go. Because that's not the only way of serving people. Okay, People don't just need your money. In fact, for some people, it's, it's, kind, of, uh, it's kind of a bad idea to give them your money in some situations. But if you're not even willing to do it, then your religion is defiled. If you're not ready to listen to the Spirit and do these types of acts of service, then your religion is defiled, and you don't have a very good cart for ca- that will carry the gospel. If your neighbor knows that you're praying for them, but you never actually do anything for them, you know, we, I mean, we've had conversations like that with people. Yeah, they just, you know, they were a nice person, but they just didn't really do anything. <laughs> you know, sometimes, some of us are really nice, you know, I'm just saying this in general, so we can be a really nice person, But if we're not actually serving people, it's worthless. I mean, that's what James is saying right here. What good is it, my brothers, if you say you have faith, but do not have works, can that faith save him? I mean, isn't that sharp? Some of us are really hard workers. Some of us are really nice people. In general, I'm saying, I'm not trying to rebuke anyone in particular. But he tags it with, can that faith save him? Because the true gospel, when it comes into us, it produces Christ's likeness, which works. It prays too, but it serves. It empties. It does acts of service that... I mean, you, you think about the things that these disciples were given the authority to do. They were casting out demons, bringing people to life, healing sicknesses, cleansing the lepers. Those things stood out. And there are things that stand out because people just don't do those things. People aren't really willing to empty themselves. People are willing to kind of give off of the overflow, right? I mean, a lot of us, a lot of people... We're willing to do good for people and maybe give money or whatever, but we have to be full first. 
I have to have everything that I want first, and then I'll give people off of the overflow. That is not Christ-likeness. Let me say that again. Some people are willing to do good as long as they first have everything that they want and are comfortable and are satisfied with the way their household is. And then they'll give, but not until then. Not until they're comfortable, not until they're fully satisfied. Only when they're comfortable and full and fully satisfied will they give, will they serve. Christ is calling us into a way of life that gives regardless of what your life looks like. Regardless of what you have or what you don't have. It's looking for ways to serve. I'm not calling for people who are impoverished to continually impoverish themselves. This is not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to show you is the heart of Christ. What I'm trying to show you is that the heart of Christ is limitless. It's limitless. It doesn't say, well, I don't know that person. I don't know what exactly they're going to do if I give them some money. That's not for you to determine. It's none of your business, really. What you are supposed to be is Christ-like. You don't know their mind. Christ did, so we're not trying to be Christ-likeness in the omniscience part of things. (laughs) But in the heart, the compassion. They have a need. I need to help them. And if you're going to live a life like that, your life is going to be a carriage for the gospel. Because people don't care what you have to say if your religion is insincere. And Christ is telling us your religion can be sincere, is sincere, when you are a self-emptier. You're not just a nice person. You're not just a good member of the community. No, you are my disciple. Your self-emptying has no limits. Because you are working for a God who has no limits. That's what Christ is calling his disciples to. Christ is giving, remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Christ is giving his disciples his authority and his, a measure of his power. We're not going out as just these random human beings with our own power and with our own authority because if that were the case, then we would be hopeless and we would accomplish nothing. And many of us accomplish really nothing because we're not really claiming the power and the authority of Christ that he has given us. So we do live realistically because in our own power and in our own authority, we can't really do a whole lot. But we are being given the power and the authority of Christ himself. So we can go out in the name of Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. Just like the the disciples, you may not have the power to heal somebody or to cast out demons or bring a dead person to life. That's not necessarily the authority that God is giving people in this room, okay? But he is giving us the authority to have limitless love. He is giving us the ability to love our communities, to love our families, to love our neighbors in ways that other people don't do it. And that stands out sometimes even more than maybe even healing somebody of a disease. 
I mean, you think about it, sometimes healing somebody of a disease would, wouldn't even really do that much. People would be thankful that they're healed and that they're healthy again, but over time it just becomes, you know, the background. They don't really glorify God for it. They're just happy that they're not miserable anymore. doesn't really bring them to Christ. doesn't really amplify the message of Christ because most of the world, they just want to be healthy and wealthy. And if we just give them health and wealth, sometimes it's, it actually detriments the gospel. Makes them love their covetousness all the more. That's why, that's one of the biggest evils behind the health, wealth, prosperity gospel is it keeps people trapped in their covetousness. It doesn't actually proclaim the message of the kingdom of heaven. It proclaims the kingdom of Israel, so to speak, if you're tracking with me. People are looking for God to reform their world, their earthly nation. They were looking for treasures on the earth, where God, the message that Christ is telling his disciples to proclaim is the kingdom of heaven. That's different. So we are going out into this world proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. We're not just trying to make people better, even though our compassion will lead us into acts of service that, heal, that, that provide a physical need. But it's all part of this package that is supposed to be carting the gospel throughout the world, pointing people to Jesus, who ultimately takes care of a much deeper spiritual need that people don't even want to know they have. They may not even know it, and they may not even want to know they have a spiritual need. But we have the solution for it, and we're pointing the people to the solution for the deeper spiritual need. And the cart that carries this message is our acts of love our self-emptying, our acts of service. And this is how we can be proper disciples of Christ, taking the message into the world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for calling us into your ministry and promising to be with us even unto the end of the age. You, the one with all authority over heaven and earth, you are the one who promises to be with us throughout the end of the age, doing your good will in us. And then through us, I just pray, Lord, that we would have the faith to believe that you are in us and that you are working in us so that we might have hope to carry that message through us to those outside of us. Lord, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for laziness, spiritually speaking. And I pray that we would value your work, not just our work. In Jesus' name, amen.